The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Somebody's going to get their ass kicked. Somebody's going to get their wig split. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mark Henry on talk is Jericho this week. And you better believe that I play my version of his theme song for him. See what kind of reaction he gives me, if anything at all. He's a giant man, and I am mocking him to his face. Uh, but I've known him for a long, long time. Great guy. He's been in the WWE for 19 years. That has got to be the longest standing uh, WWE employee with the exception of one or two. We'll talk all about that. But Mark, in his 19-year career, has seen and done a lot of things from being one of the most badass performers to being sexual chocolate. The boy's name is Sexual Chocolate. Uh, a great run during the Attitude Era where he was dating Mae Young. Of course, his early days rooming with The Rock and how much of a good friendship they still have to this day. We'll also find out if he's thinking about retirement and whether there's any truth to the retirement angle he did for the WWE a few years back. That was absolutely amazing. A great, great performer. We'll also ask him how much gas he thinks he has left in the tank. So many questions to ask Mr. Mark Henry today on TIJ. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived, and it's Friday. It's kick off the day with a little bit of SOS here on Talk is Jericho. Where are those happy days? They seem so hard to find. I tried to reach for you, but you have closed your mind. Whatever I understood It used to be so nice It used to be so good
that song uh it really resonates well because once again like i've said a few times before on on the show whenever we play this live people look at each other like is this really um abba i don't think they would ever do abba and then oh my god they're actually doing abba and halfway through they're like we love this song we love fozzy we love abba we had a great show in kitchener ontario and the mayor of kitchener came and saw us and uh gave us a standing ovation and was pogoing up and down during uh, SOS. <laughs> That's the type of marrow I want run in my city. All right. He loves Fozzie. He loves SOS and he's moshing also very prominent on social media, which I thought was great too. It's always funny. You see older people getting on social media. I was reading some of that Rob Halford said the other day, talk is Jericho alumni. I was told to get on Instagram because it's a good way to, to uh, let people see what you're doing and take pictures of your friends. I'm like, of course, Rob, you should have known this two years ago, but at least he learned. And at least the uh, mayor of Kitchener, I can't even pronounce his name, this uh, crazy Canadian last name, Mayor Kruchnekciak or something. I'm sure somebody listening to the show will tell me who the mayor of uh, Hamil- uh, sorry, Kitchener, Ontario is and very excited to have him as- aboard the Fozzie train. Um, I'm not in Kitchener, Ontario, right? I'm actually sitting in my car in a parking lot of a diner here in Sherman Noakes, uh, California. Super funny, I had to get this uh, intro tracked before I go on track today. I've got a super, super busy uh, weekend. I'm calling it the Freak Week, man. It's Freak Week. I got here this morning at 8.30, and I now have about a two-hour... 
well, not even two hours, but an hour and a half of free time before the Freak Week starts. And let me tell you some of the stuff that goes on uh, for Freak Week. Today is Thursday. I have a meeting with Initium Eyewear this morning. Crazy, crazy awesome sunglasses. Maybe do some sponsorship work with them. At noon, I have an interview with a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer returning to this show. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is until these interviews get in the can. 3.30, one of the hottest young directors in Hollywood and a good friend of mine returns to the show to discuss his new movie. I got a meeting with my manager at 5. At 6 p.m., one of the hottest uh, girls in Hollywood, a sex therapist, uh, a former partner of mine. Uh, she's going to be getting interviewed here. And then tomorrow I head to San Diego. I'm going to be interviewing one of the top conspiracy theorists. Then I got another old friend wrestler of mine that I'm going to be interviewing. And then I do uh, the show tomorrow night in San Diego. And I believe it's going to be Jericho versus Kevin Owens because John Cena, if you saw what happened to him this week, his nose just got smashed. And it's one of those ones where it's like his nose was on the other side of his face. That's exactly what this looked like. If you haven't seen it, go Google a picture of it. Cena got crunched and still finished the match. It's still had a great match. John Cena is a, a, a tough guy. He's an inspirational guy. He never gives up. That is really the truth. And when you see his nose, it literally, like, I mean, you do a thing when you're a kid where you, you bend your finger and you put it up against your nose to pretend you have a broken nose. That's what it looks like. I mean, it really looks like if somebody went, hey, I'm going to do a special effects broken nose, and this is what it's going to look like, and that's exactly what happens. So um might try and get a chance to see uh, my good friends from Venge Sevenfold this weekend, and then Ontario on the Saturday, got a, a lunch meeting with another old friend of mine, then Jericho versus Owens again, Fresno, uh, Jericho versus Owens again, then Monday in the morning, I got KTLA at 7.45 a.m., the top... Uh, the top morning show probably in, the, in America. Then I got the Rich Eisen show. I'm doing another interview with another uh, star on the Walk of Hall of Fame. What is it? Star on the Hollywood Walk of Hall of Fame is returning to this show. I, I'm not trying to be so cryptic, but I don't want to jinx it. If I say I've got all these guys and then they cancel, then uh, I'll feel sad. But I'm just saying, basically, I got six podcasts. Uh, press day on Monday. I got three main event matches. I have got uh, three or four meetings while I'm out here in Los Angeles. Then I take the Red Eye back to Tough Enough where we do uh, all day production meeting and do Tough Enough episode seven. The show is kicking ass. Uh, I know the ratings kind of swing up and down. Basically the same rating every week. We're building the show, but the quality of the show, so much controversy going on, as we know. Then I actually have a day off on Thursday which is going to be cool, and I'm going to go see uh, probably Whitesnake featuring David Coverdale, my good old buddy, uh, who's going to invite me to his show. So yeah, Freak Week, and then we got uh, the Festival of Friends in Hamilton, Ontario, on Saturday and Sunday, Heavy Montreal in Montreal, doing more podcasting. So I got so much podcasting going on, it's driving me crazy, but you got to get the guests when you're in the area. So there is no, uh, no dilly-dallying. No uh, problems uh, with uh, you know working too hard. That's not what I do. I got to be on the ball, man. I got to get these guests, track them, and then put them out wherever I can. As I'm watching, I think there might be some kind of a some kind of a, a crime going on across the street over here in Sherman Oaks. I might have to stop tracking and and, and call the cops at some point. But this is what happens. You think that sometimes I'm just going to be doing this in a nice studio, uh, surrounded by. You know, lots of microphones and uh, and uh, microphone stands and microphone, uh, uh, what are they called, baffers? 
those type of things. No, I am sitting in a car with my portable rig on my lap, talking right now as I watch the crime. So it wasn't a, well, maybe some kind of a drug deal, or maybe they're just going jogging. I don't know. I'm not sure. Whenever I see a couple of people standing strangely on the street corner, you're always wondering what they're doing, right? <laughs> and they're probably wondering what I'm doing, talking into a microphone, watching them. They probably think I'm some kind of undercover cop. So there you go. The things I got to do to make this show happen. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, so uh, we're here in, in the arena here in Pittsburgh. I'm with Mark Henry. Now, something that's been going on on my show is I play little jingles and little clips and stuff like that. For some reason, one week I just started reading the lyrics of all the guys' ring entrances, and yours popped up. So I made my own version of your ring entrance that I play every few weeks. I'm going to play it for you right now. Here it goes. You lucky you got away with just a scratch, sucker. Somebody's going to get their ass kicked. Somebody's going to get their wig split. Somebody's going to get their ass kicked. Somebody's going to get their wig split. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. Break his neck, beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. Can you dig it? Neck. Don't jive me. Neck. That is unbelievable, man. Neck. I like the, the, the crunch. You, you, you recorded yourself smashing a potato chip bag or something. I think my friend got that from a sound effects bank or something like that. But for whatever reason, it just makes me laugh. And I always love the line, wig split. I'd never heard that ever until it came up in your song. Man, it's such a country, East Texas, the colloquialism, all of the old crazy talk, talking about pushing people's hairlines back and... Just stupidness. It makes sense, though. Wig split. You're going to, like, crack yeah. someone's head open and break their wig. Is, did you, like, write those lyrics? Or, or how did that No, I actually, um, I met with Juicy J and, and um, uh, right after the um, they won Oscar for the the movie. Oh, that's, was it the 3-1-1 Mafia? Yeah. Okay. Um, shit. I, I can't remember what movie it was. Damn, it, it, well, the movie was the... Um, um, Golly, now I'm now I'm drawing a blank. I've been hitting the head too many times. Maybe I should get in on this on the damn. Your, your wig's uh, been split. My, my wig's been split too many times. I get on this uh, this lawsuit with the uh, dummies that oh yeah right think they're gonna get a big payoff that never even worked here before. Isn't that always the way? That, I don't understand that. That happened in WCW too. They had a, a racial discrimination suit, and all the guys that were in it were like guys that were really bad. That never worked, but of of course, they weren't getting a push because they were black, white, Japanese, whatever. But they just weren't any good. And same with these guys, guys that really never even worked here very much. Same thing with the WCW thing. Yeah, well, you know, I did a podcast um, not long ago, and a guy is well known that he wants you to do his podcast, too. I just mentioned it to you earlier, Jay Moore. Jay Moore. Uh -huh. And um, we were talking about things that happened that never saw the light of day. They did all the ballyhoo, 
And then when it came time to put it on TV, they just said, no, nah, it's not going to work. It's right. going to be too much. And I mentioned one of the people by name, like Kizarni. Mm-hmm. Of course, he got pissed and went on the Internet, the interweb, <laughs> and started bashing me like he can hold water. Right. Uh, my career speaks for itself. Oh, yeah, no it doubt. It ain't been many guys that uh, – and, of course, when I came in, I was rotten. But I was able to evolve and learn and become a main event. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was, I was going to say that, as a matter of fact. Like, if you're going through the roster – I think maybe, except for Undertaker and possibly Goldust, you're the longest-running guy in this company. In this company, Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Were you here longer than Goldust? Or? I was here longer than Goldust. Okay. He was at WCW when I came. So under, other than Undertaker, you're the sole survivor. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have ever guessed Who that? Uh, that's a trivia question that nobody will get. Because <laughs> like you said, when you first came in, you were very, very green because you came in basically. I had no idea nothing about wrestling. I was a fan. Mm-hmm. It was like going out in the crowd and pulling somebody and saying, hey, you're going to wrestle Jerry Lawler at the pay-per-view next week. <laughs> he, uh, oh, really? <laughs> Is that what that, it was? That's what it was. My first match was a pay-per-view. Against Lawler? Against Lawler. What was the angle? Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts had cleaned up, mm-hmm. quote unquote, <laughs> <laughs> and Lala was uh, trying to get him to backslide. And he was like, "Jake, you are what you are. Like, here's a fifth of vodka, right? You know, hand him a bottle of Jack, you know." And he was run down, beat him up, and pour liquor down his mouth. I think you know something about that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, history repeating itself. Yeah, and. Um, I was the good old American boy that just didn't like that happening and ran down to save him. And I saved him on Monday Night Raw, and then the next day was a pay-per-view match with Lawler. Against Lawler. Yeah, so one of the, the cream of the crop. Was this your first match ever? My first match ever. Wow. I hadn't practiced. Nobody taught me nothing. Jerry was like, ah. Oh. I'll take the kid on. <laughs> and I, I, at one point, I threw him, and he did not touch a rope. <laughs> he went through the ropes and hit the fence. And I think that um, he looked up and saw, like, Jim Ross. Uh, and, and Jim Ross, he was, like, made, like, one of those surprise old like, shit oh, faces. Oh, I got myself into. And uh, it just like that, that was the beginning. But had you learned even how to bump or anything like that? Nothing. Or? That, that, just think about how insane that is in yeah. this day and age. And Put, then they created the developmental system because they moved me to Stanford. And I, I stayed there for three months, and I would go home every other weekend. And, it, I mean, it was so undisciplined. Tom, Tom Pritchard was deciding on that he was going to stop wrestling and he was going to just train me. Mm-hmm. And that's what they started paying him to do. And, of course, like later on, they brought Dwayne down there. And um, he moved in the apartment with me because, like he said, he had like seven or eight dollars to his name. You and the Rock in the apartment right. together. Yeah. So you know, I was like, man, whatever you need, just let me know. If you need a bed, I'll get you a bed. You know, was, and he picked on me about, man, why would you buy a watch like that? You know, and I was <laughs> like, listen, the money that you're gonna make, you're gonna have ten of these. <laughs> and he was like, I would never buy a watch like that. And here he is now making $140 million a year, <laughs> driving, got his own plane and watches that cost $60,000. I mean, it's, it's... Do you still, are you still friends with him? Yeah, we're we still he, tight. He remembers those days then? He remember those days. And, and 
we'll never forget him because mm. he had like two allies and it was me and his mom mm. and you know I, I love him like a brother and one of the things that he always told me like when when stuff get rough think about where you started from and i was like man that's that's a good that's a good way to live your life mm. if you think about when you sure. have nothing and nobody to you know help push you along and you know compliment you when you need it or kick you in the butt when you needed it yeah you know like we 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 were together during that time mm. and it's funny too because you had just come out um it still blows my mind that you actually worked this match without having any training but the reason why you had this big push was because you had come out of the olympics mm. um and got a lot of press and a lot of press as legitimately you know the world's strongest man that's not a gimmick right. at the time you were one of if not the world's strongest I was the, man. I was the only guy. A lot of people say, how can you call yourself the world's strongest man? There's guys that was – and let me explain this. Like, there's there's three sports. There's powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, and strongman. There's nobody in history other than me to ever win the national and world championship in all three. So what's the difference? In powerlifting, you got three lifts. Mm-hmm. The squat, the bench, and the deadlift. I had a – uh, near 1,000-pound squat recorded, uh, near 600-pound bench recorded, and a plus 900-pound deadlift recorded, which gave me the highest total okay. of any powerlifter in history at the time and still currently uh, drug-free, might I add. And then Olympic lifting is snatch and a clean and jerk. Both lifts end overhead. Snatch, one continuous motion from the ground, to the ceiling, straight up in out, the air, with no press out, and I was able one of two Americans that's ever done 400 pounds. Wow! So you're picking up from the ground and just throwing it up over straight your head, straight up overhead, with just, without like, your arms bent, and then you just let go of it, right? No, you got to hold oh, it hold until it. the referee tells you to put it down. Then do you put it down or you just let go of it? You just put it down. Okay, and you have to put it down in front. Okay, to get, make it so a that's part of it too. Lift. Right. Yeah, you have to have control. Okay, and then the cleaning jerk is. You know, pretty elementary. You clean the bar to your chest, and then you push it over your head or jerk it over your head. And um, when the referee tells you to put the bar down, you put it down. Okay. And uh, you have to maintain control. Then what's the strong man? And the strong man is a, is like dozens of different a, different different apparatus. Uh, farmer's walk, phalanx fingers, uh, the Africa stone. Um, Tossing beer kegs that's different weights, 25 pounds, 75 pounds, 100 pounds, and on up to 400 pounds. It's kind of what we see on ESPN. It's, it's stuff you see on ESPN that you've seen on Saturday morning since mm-hmm. Franco Colombo tried to <laughs> tried to form his walk of refrigerator and blew his <laughs> knee out the opposite direction. <laughs> and he was like, oh, it's... It's not broken. It's just the location. I'm a chiropractor. And it was completely broken, and the bone was through the skin. You know, it was just like it's, it's been a lot of history. And, and to be able to be considered the best guy of everybody. So you won all three of those. I won the nationals and worlds in all three. Wow. So you do have a very legitimate claim of being called the world's strongest man. Yeah. I'm, I was – a guy asked me the other day, he was like, did you – did you know that um, uh, you've won a world title in in three different sports? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I didn't even know. 
you know, as a you know, and the guy was a fan. He was, you know, you got to believe when you see a super fan walk up to you and he tells you like who you had your first match with, the first time you lost, and how many wins. It's a guy told me I had like eight thousand matches, and I said I didn't have eight thousand. Nobody has eight thousand. Right. He's like, no, for real. Like you have eight thousand matches, and there's like six guys that have plus eight thousand matches now in the business today. Huh? I was like, get out of here. <laughs> like stuff I don't know. So what did he tell you about the three world championships? What were the three? The uh, powerlifting. I won the powerlifting world championships. I won strongman world championships, and I won a world championship in pro wrestling and i was like well golly man i never even paid attention but i it's it's not very many people you're gonna run into your life that's gonna win three world championships in different sports sports. like i mean in track even though it's a different event it's still the same sport Mm -mm. track is track whether it's a field event 100 the marathon, whatever. It's all track. running and yeah, and running and jumping, athletics. It's it's interesting because you're talking about being the world's strongest man, and I'll never forget. You probably remember this story. We were in a locker room somewhere, and someone's lock, like it was like a locker. I remember it was jammed. Lafayette, Louisiana. Was it Lafayette? Yes. And With, it was Arn Anderson and uh, uh, Ron Simmons. Ron was in there, yeah. And uh, Arn locked his, you know, Arn always get to the arena and go put his workout clothes on, go work out, come back to the arena, and he had locked the lock and it was just jammed. Yeah, you could not open this. Like, I tried with a crowbar, with a crowbar as hard as I could, you know, and I'm not the strongest man, but I'm not the weakest. Like, I had this thing in there. It was like Excalibur. (laughs) And no one could do it. Benoit tried and Simmons tried and all these guys tried and no one could open this lock. And I, un- unbeknownst to me, like I right, came didn't know. in and right. I had no idea what y'all were doing. And apparently Ron said that it was it was probably about 15 minutes of, damn, we're going to have to go get a, uh, a hacksaw yeah. and cut this Blow lock torch off. or something, so, yeah. And then um, I walked in the door, me and D'Lo and, and uh, Ron Simmons, there's your door opener right there. <laughs> Mark, open this door. <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. And jerked on it, and it just broke the lock open. And You just pulled on it like once or twice. You said, stand back, stand back. You got all serious, right? You got all... <laughs> Everyone stand back. And you, you just went... get out the way before you get hurt. <laughs> and you went, boom. Boom! And you pulled that door open, and I couldn't. I could not believe it. I was like, "This is real. <laughs> this is the strongest man I've ever met in my life." You know, and that's just kind of the stuff that you could do. You had these feats of strength, man. Like my whole life has been that way since I was a little kid. You look at um, pictures of me. I'm gonna have to like on my website. It's gonna launch in a couple of months, mm-hmm. and there's like childhood photos. And, like, in every third photo is me flexing like I'm a bodybuilder. <laughs> like, I knew I was strong. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. like a God-given thing. And then I had the work ethic to to make it better. Because, you know, a lot of guys, and you and one of them, I, I, I remember the first time I worked with you, um, like, it was complete being outclassed. And a lot of guys don't realize what that that, that feels like to somebody that's been great at something mm-hmm. i'm sure oh. wayne gretzky would and and I, I say that because how hockey is in you know embedded in your blood and i'm sure that at some point wayne gretzky threw a football around with somebody and couldn't catch or couldn't do something and then it made he because he was wayne gretzky he went hell no <laughs> throw it to me a hundred times <laughs> right 
throw it to me 150 times. Throw it over here. Throw it over there. And he became better at it. That's, that's what great athletes do. You're able to adapt. Mm-hmm. And that's something that God gave me. Nobody, I, I say this, like nobody taught me not in a way that I'm patting myself on the back. I'm saying that when I lost, I cried. Mm. I hate losing. I hate it with a passion. I'm going to be a success in life. I'm going to be a success as a father. I'm going to be a success as a friend in whatever thing I do because that's just the way I'm made up. Mm-hmm. And, brother, I'm telling you, like, when I had that match, I'm, I had a match with you, and it, it sucked. And not because of you, but because of what you was working with. Mm. And there's been about 10 other guys that I felt like I had matches that were turning point matches in the early 2000s, which I needed to go to Louisville and to Ohio Valley Wrestling and really be able to practice because I had fun um, running the streets with D'Lo and Kane and Dwayne and everything. But then when I went to Canada, that was like, you're rotten. Like, you need to go and learn how to work. Where in Canada? I went to Calgary. Right, that's right. That's where so, I first met you because you were working with Brett. Right, and so right. I went to Brett's house, and, you know, I would babysit the kids, and, like, when he came off the road, he showed me stuff, and Owen was like, you know, the practical joker that he was. He would teach me wrong stuff, and then be like, no, I'm just playing, I'm playing, don't do that. <laughs> what would he teach you? <laughs> just, he did the flying toe hold on me, um, <laughs> had me um, where – he would shoot me off and give me a tackle, like, you know, stuff that you would not do. You're bumping for him, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it was just like, it was funny. But I loved him for it because he, he played with me. And you're in the ring for 10 minutes and 15 minutes, and you don't realize that you're working because you're playing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what Owen did, and that's one reason why he's always been, like, a god of wrestling for me. Yeah. I remember when I first met you at the there's a gym in Calgary and we were talking and you're like, Yeah, I just want to learn how to do one of those arm drags like Ricky Steamboat. Oh, that's all man. I want to do. That's and all I, I want to do. And I was like, looking at you, you're probably three fifty at the time, like, you probably might not want to worry about that one. I can't even do an arm drag like Ricky Steamboat. You're like, No man, I want to do this arm drag like Ricky Steamboat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was so ignorant to to like what wrestling was. Good point, right. And I tell people all the time, like the Undertaker. He was like, man, look at this big old baby face. And I shoot, got hot. Don't call me baby face. Mm. And he was like, are you ribbing me? Like, you know, this is the god of wrestling. (laughs) And I'm like, don't talk to me like that. And he's like, listen, come here. He's like, you're going to have to relax. And and I got into fights and arguments with people, and and nobody wanted to teach me nothing because of my mouth. Oh, okay. And that's one of the reasons why I was rotten for three years rather than um, rotten for one year and then started to get better. You know, it took for me to humble myself and to kind of not take myself so serious. But I took myself serious just because of what I said earlier. I am a competitor. I want to win. And, like, it was, it was just wrestling is a specialized animal. And anybody that's ever been involved with this industry, you come out of it either broken or success. There's no in-between. And I love the fact that I've seen guys mis- mismanage their money and tell me, listen, I was a garbage darn idiot. Don't do what I did. 
that's what this business does. Like there are guys that fail and they teach you how to succeed because they failed. Like man, it's 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 hard and it's it's not nothing like that else in the world. When you came in here, um, who was it? Like the, some of the guys that, that that helped you get better. Like you mentioned Undertaker. I know Undertaker is very much a mentor for a lot of guys, Big yeah. Show included. Did, did, was he a guy? Because I'm sure being a big guy, you probably worked with him. He was busy. Oh. He was too busy. Like you know, the upper echelon of guys, um, the top ten guys. As you know, you've been one of the top ten guys for a long time. And it's you come to the arena, you're doing a podcast, you're stretching, you're on the phone for yeah. two hours doing media. Then you got to go sign a thousand autographs that they're going to give away or sell at the arena that night. But it's going to be like they gave them away because you're not going to get nothing <laughs> out of it. But it's like you're busy. But like the other, the second-tier guys are the guys that end up being your mentors and coaches. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people don't really like Billy Gunn. When I came back from Canada, you know, Billy, I, I didn't know how to do a proper press slam. And Billy was like, man, you're going to hurt somebody. Like, you know, remember, come, yeah. come to the ring. Let me uh, show you how to do that if you're going to do it. And I was like, man. And, and that was my every week. It would be Ron Simmons. It would be uh, Mike Rotunda. It would be, you know, gotcha, Billy, Bro yeah. the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> You know, my, like Brooklyn Brawler says, I had his first match. You know, he says, he says everybody's first match. But <laughs> right. he, he had my first match, like, after, after they trained me. I mean, or not trained me, but after they uh, introduced me, then had the match with Lawler. Then everything else was like a dark match with Brawler every night for two months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so... Well, and that's the thing too. It's 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 the famous thing in wrestling. It's the scariest proposition when you work with somebody that's green and strong. Yeah. And so you were obviously both, both those and strong beyond strong. Like like we said, the world's strongest man. There's been guys over the years that you have that like oh, watch out because you're so strong. You said the gorilla press. You don't know what you're doing. You just pick guys up and throw them. Right. And and I did that to somebody, and that's why Billy was like, whoa. Mm. You don't kill somebody, man. Like, well, let's make sure that you're not dangerous. And um, it was like everybody. Like, it was, you know, there were some guys I hated their guts, too. You know, like, it was a little bit different, different back, back then. then you know, I, I like, you know, telling the racial joke next to me in the locker so so I can hear it. Really? Yeah, to see if I would get hot and go off. And, you know, just, you know, people putting crap in people's food boxes like, and literally crap right real that, shit that to, to Dwayne no I was I, I saw it happen and they, and people were like shh like don't tell like come on the rib is on him no you crazy you put shit in somebody's food they did that to the rock yes wow. ask him about it mm. he'll tell you and I had to keep him from getting killed because he was gonna get jumped it was like three of you know it was clickish back then oh. you had the click the BSK the you know the the whole Puerto Rican crew. Like everybody was was geared up, and you mess with one, you mess with all. It was almost and like being in jail, or something it was like, like being that. in jail a little bit. You know, like um, people don't realize that um, you know the people on the podcast now will get to see kind of a little bit of the inside of wrestling because you know, like we we do that now. Like mm -hmm. we we don't right. We, we our fans stories, we talk yeah. about this stuff and. You know, I'm I'm not that guy that's gonna be mentioning everybody's names, but I will tell the story and let you go ask the question yourself and figure out who it was. 
Well, and like, yeah, like you mentioned, we talked about this the other day. I remember you, me, and show were backstage in Baltimore a couple months ago just talking about how things have really changed over the years. And yeah. for the better in a lot of ways, especially when you're talking about the dressing room politics and that sort of thing, because I was a huge victim of it when I first came in, as was show. As sounds like you were as yeah, well. I know was Rock too. was. We wasn't allowed to dress in a TV locker room. Or we wasn't allowed to dress in, you know, people had private locker rooms back then. Hmm. You know, Brett, Brett sometimes had his own private locker room. He was a star, man. <laughs> yeah. And I ain't have no problem at all with that. I had been around. I had been an elite athlete and got favoritism. You know, like people showed me in a, a way that everybody else wasn't exposed to. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. And I, I, I mean, that's one of the things that make you want to be successful. Was it hard for you to make that transition to come in here and kind of be at the bottom rung of the ladder? It was, it was real top? hard. It was real hard. I had, a, I had a lot of trouble, man. I, you know, people that you know told me to, like, why, why are you in here? I, I can't dress in here. No, I'm like, who are you talking to? Like, take the bass out your voice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you, I'll, I'll leave, but don't act like you making me leave. <laughs> right. You know, like, cause you got a little clout. I was. Punch you in the face. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Did uh, did Vince pursue you coming out of the Olympics, or how did that? How did you get the deal to come in here? Vince saw me on Oprah and a couple other shows mention how much of a wrestling fan I was. Not because I was prompted, because I was trying to be a professional wrestler. But because, like, I was asked, like, so what do you do? What does this world's strongest man do in his spare time? I was avid video game guy, uh, love sports, any kind of sport, golf, marbles, tiddlywinks, you name it. I want to go see it. And I love live music. I've always been, like, a fan of of seeing different artists of different types. And, and I'm not just a soul guy, which a lot of people, they see Sex with Chocolate and they think, <laughs> Oh, he's Barry White. He liked that old soul music, you know, and I love it. But I like rock. I like bluegrass. I like country. I like western. I, you know, you name something. And when, I mean, I really loved it when uh, uh, the grunge scene happened. I mean, because it was just like, man, I'm going to get violent and just punch through this wall type aggressive of Aggressive and attitude. Yeah, yeah, and I had an outlet. Like, you know, I, I mean, so it was, you know, music is one of the things that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. helped me get where I wanted to be, but um, but you were get, talking. You talking about but, your other hobbies? But going like, going back to hobbies, I was like, but on 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 Saturday and Sunday, those are the days I watch wrestling. Can't bother me. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> like you can say you don't like it all you want to, but that's what I'm going to do. And Vince called me and said, "Hey, I heard you. Um, I heard you like uh, WWF," and I was like. Yeah, Wes, right. And I hung up on him because I thought it was like Wes Barnett, who's one of the guys on my team who is just as big a wrestling fan as I am. You know, and you know what I'm saying? Sure, like, you thought he was bugging I thought it was you. somebody ribbing. And, uh, so you hung up on Vince. I hung up on him. And then my manager called me and said, hey, uh, did you hang up on Vince McMahon? And I was like, 
that was Vince McMahon for real? Like the real one? The announcer? I didn't know he was the owner. Right. And he was like, uh, yeah, I think you ought to take his call. Like, don't, like, pick the phone up. I'm asking him to call you back again. So he calls me back again. I apologize. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I thought it was, he was just laughing. It was, it was, he was like, listen, he was like, since you like what we do so much, why don't you come to Connecticut and see what we do? And brother, I got off the plane, went to, in New York. I've probably been in a limo like three times in my life. Drove up the, in a limo. And I, there was no camera phones back then. I wish I would have been able to take a picture. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man, this is great. Oh, my God. And I get to Stanford, and uh, Yoko is there. Uh-huh. And I got to meet Yoko, and I got to meet so many guys. And they had, like, a, the old WWF video game in the weight room. Oh, like the stand-up? Yeah, the stand-up, yeah. the big arcade game. So I, went, I got to work out, and Vince was like, I want to watch him work out. You know, so of I course, got, yeah, Vince would love yeah. to see that. So I worked out and played video games and worked out, and they was like, out two hours later, he was like, um, "You still, you still working out?" And I was like, "Yeah, I gotta do squats in a little while." My workouts were like five and six hours long because everything really? was so segmented. You know, like oh. you would do squats, then you would rest, and then you would do. It was, you know, it's anaerobic lifting. You need to be almost completely fresh. When you do a core lift, oh. so you can get maximized. Because you get so much weight. Right. Because I was going up to 800, 900 pounds. So it was different. And he was like, you know, you're not going to be able to work out like that on the road. There's not many gyms that's going to have this many plates. You know, and I was like, oh, man. Like, you know, it was like crushing to <laughs> me. Breaker, like, yeah. wow. <laughs> Shit, I'm not going to have to quit lifting now? I'm like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> but, um. I, I hung out with him for probably about two hours, and he was like, I'm thinking about doing something that we've never done before. And I was like, all ears at that point. It was, you know, it was Vince talking. I'm in the office. He showed me, this is Andre's cast when he broke his ankle. And he had the cast, and I got to touch it. And wow. I, I broke out in tears because I told him the story about why I love wrestling. Why is that? And it was because my grandmother took me to the Beaumont Civic Center, and Andre was on the card. And you know how the kids rush to the, the bicycle racks, and they try to reach out and touch. Well, I did the same thing. And the kids hit me, and I went over the barricade, and now my hands are on the ground, my feet are up on the, on the barricade. Oh. Andre, no music. Andre's walking, and he looks and sees me with my hands like that, and he picks me up. And puts me back on the other side. No kidding. That's why I'm a wrestler today. No kidding. Yes, sir. That is a great story. And I told Vince, and Vince just break out in tears. He's like, I miss him. And wow. I was like, wow, man, I'm a part of something. I knew then that I was a part of something that was bigger than what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were, you were kind of part of the, Vince was giving you the full court press. He was giving me the full you, court yeah. press, have you ever Have you ever worked out with Vince? Yes, and he kicked my ass too. I was going to ask you that because he says because he, he does so many reps. Like you know, I'm I'm an anaerobic lifter. I'm not going to do 50 reps at a time. He does supersets, mm-hmm. and I understand it. I mean, I studied it. You know, we you know when I was in Colorado Springs, biomechanical science and health and kinesiology was my major, and I you know was flunking horribly. I hate school. <laughs> Kids go to school. <laughs> yeah. 
Just because I didn't. Mark Henry is not your role model. <laughs> I'm, I'm turning to Charles Barkley now. I am not your role model. Your mommy and your daddy is your role model. That's a horrible Charles Barkley impersonation. I don't even know what he sounds like, so it's perfect to me. <laughs> so you go in with, with Vince. And, and and what does he say? Here, Mark, let's go work out or something like this? Yeah, he was like, so, you 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 know, we got a gym downstairs if you want to catch a workout. You know, I was like, shoot, yeah. You know, like, I, I, I was a show-off. And, you know, like, he wanted to come and work out with me and see what it was. So, man, it was fun. But so what did he do to kick your ass? Just all these. Well, this is like. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean three yeah. years ago. Not, right. not even three, two years ago. Well, tell us about that workout. I, I go work out with Vince. You know, Vince, we get done with the shows sometimes, you know, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And Vince that. will, you know, you get to the hotel, he has his trainer. And um, it just happened that it was in New Haven. So we did the New Haven show. We went back to Titan Tower. And he was like, well, what? I said, I worked chess yesterday, so I got back and bias today. And he was like, okay, I'll do back and bias. And, man, we did rows. We did pull downs. We did um, these twisting deals. And then we did the cables on the, on the BOSU ball. Like, and, and, like, 50, 100 reps. Mm-hmm. And he was ribbing me the whole time. Like, I had no idea that he was ribbing me. In what way? Well, because he was like, I'm gonna do so many reps. I'm gonna make him. So, I'm gonna make him quit. <laughs> and he realized that my pride is very strong, and I was not quitting. And he he beat himself up, man. And the next day he was like, "Yeah, I think the rib was really on me." And I was like, "Brother, I had to stop. I, I mean, at at the end of the workout, I was like, I can't do no more." I can't. I like you win. And this is a guy who's in his late sixties. He was in. He was in his sixties. Yeah, and just he he is an unbelievable dude. Like a lot of people, you know, I I have a lot of respect for him. Um, He's one of those people that, when he's gone, it's going to be a national holiday. I guarantee you, because so many people were affected by what he was able to do, Mm -hmm. and not just the guys in the ring, but. Look at all the people that work for the company that have gone on to do stuff in marketing and business, and you know. So, like, it's a it's a business model that you, you it's hard to replicate because one, he just knows more about that than everybody else, and he's got all the talent. He's got all the pieces. You can't play chess without the king and the rook. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got them. And you've seen that for. Like 19 said, years. 19 this will be 19 years. years coming up in August. Is that nonstop? Like non- you've been injured non-stop. a few times, but you've been well, under I've been, contract. I've for, been under contract for 19 years wow. straight with this company. That's incredible. Like I said, besides Undertaker, that's the longest ever. Yeah. Ever. Hunter, Hunter, you know, has got more reps. You know, he's been here for probably 15, 16 years and uh, been at the top the whole time. I was not at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was mid-card to... You know, I started to, you know, get into the main events around '06, '05. Yeah, you, you were like, like much like me. I didn't really hit my stride here till about 2008, 2009, where I really locked in and got it. Yeah. And you were the same, probably around the same time. Yeah. You know, when you became this destructive, crazy heel, um, and just went through the roof. Like you went from being a, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but for example, a C plus player to an A plus player in the course of like a month 
What, what was it that, that, that locked into your head? You know, and I want to talk about sexual chalk and all that fun stuff too, but since we're here in the conversation, what was it for you that clicked to make you so freaking good? Once again, it was, it, was, it was like the mad scientist. It was like, you know, pretty much Vince. Like he was like, listen, um, we went through a, they played a practical joke on me at one point and um, had me go out to the ring and um, they kept playing different guys' music and nobody was coming out. It was just like a rib. Like a dark match or yeah, something? Like like that, a, yeah, like at the end of the show. and Right, you went to the ring and then they would play someone's music right. and you would expect So it was supposed to, to be like uh, Ray Mysterio or something. Right. And Ray's music would play and then it would go off. And then it would be like they would play your music and then it would go off. And then they played Undertaker music. And I find out, I said, okay, ha ha, y'all got me. And I was like, but I'm not leaving. Until somebody comes down there to the ring, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay out here all night. And I grabbed the microphone. And I grabbed the microphone and I started talking. They cut the microphone off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then I hit it and it worked again. And I started talking again. They cut it off again. <laughs> so they poking the bear with a stick. Right. And um, finally, I just, you know, get pissed and I start coming through, coming back up the ramp. And I'm like going to whoop everybody's ass at this point, and Vince included. And they all ran. They got in the limos and went to the plane. So now I'm standing there, and the only person there is like uh, uh, <laughs> Ryan Ward, uh, one of the one of the writers. writers. Yeah. And he's like, Mark, <laughs> I, I, I didn't have nothing to do with it. <laughs> they, they all left. Like he just spilled all the beans because I was tearing up. I, I tore up about ten thousand dollars worth of shit. Oh, in the gorilla position. Yeah, the- I tore all that shit up. Really? And um, it was one of those where the next I quit. I called my wife. I said, I'm done. I'm tired of shit. Like, I'm a grown-ass man. You don't play with me like that, you mm-hmm. know, and this and that. And, you know, my counsel is my wife first, then Undertaker, and then Dwayne. Mm-hmm. All of them said, come on, man. This, this was a joke. Let it go. You know, and by then that Vince called me, and I wasn't accepting his calls. My wife said, he'll be at TV. And I went to TVs with the intent, regardless of what she said, that I was going to quit. Hmm. And I got in the office and Vince was like, first he was smiling, then he saw my face and he just went green. He was like, man, like you took that so personal. I said, man, nobody play with me like that. I'm no kid. Like I'm, I'm trying to be the rock. I'm yeah, trying yeah, to be, right. I, I put, I love what I do. I don't want nobody like belittling it or playing with me. He, and he got it. And he was, he's like, I listened to your message three times, and if we played that on TV, you'd be the biggest star we got. Because you left a message on his phone? Yeah. I cut a promo on him that was historical. Mm. And he said, I want to show you something. You know, Vince always has his office with the tables and got monitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, uh, roll, that, roll, that, roll that footage. <laughs> you know, so you know the Vince pose, yeah. <laughs> and you everybody remembers that iconic video where they see the Sasquatch walking through the woods, and he yeah. does the quarter turn. Yeah, you know, and they say it's fake now, but you know, it's right. like uh, I believe in Sasquatch. So do I. So does so, Dean, Dean Ambrose. We had a whole podcast about Sasquatches. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's I can't called, wait to talk to him. That's called the Patterson film, by the way. The that's Patterson, the Patterson film. film. Okay, yeah. so that's basically what he did. He's queued up the Patterson video. Footage of the Bigfoot. And um, he's like, look at you. Like, I was pacing. I was walking. And I was visibly angry. Like, I wanted to murder somebody. And he was like, I don't care if you ever wrestle again. He said, if you can go out there and be that guy. So he showed a clip of you walking and pacing? That just like angry that? Oh, and okay. talking noise and being me, being me angry. From, from, from the week before? Or where was the video from? From that, me, from them playing the joke gotcha. on Gotcha, so they had that on tape. Right, it was oh, tape. Oh, okay. And he was like, we can make a lot of money if you, if you could be that and not kill somebody. And then he started laughing, and then I laughed, and then it was like, he was he was like, you can do it, and I was like, I was like that guy will kill somebody. I was like, I don't like being angry like that, and anybody that knows me, they're like Mark is, Mark is not mean, but Mark can get angry, yeah. and that's not where you want me to be because I can't put a sentence together. <laughs> I get, I get totally totally belligerent. And to like, like drunk, not understanding, just hate. And that's when it happened. It's just like I started betraying what I saw. And me angry, when people see me angry like or see me in the ring, that's an interpretation of what I'm like when I'm angry, and it's not a pretty sight. Mm. And it worked. Who did you, did you, who did you start up with? Who was your? Did you do? Was it a heel turn? Oh golly! I, I'm trying to remember the, I can't the time even frame. Who, ben, Benoit and uh, man, it's been. So, bottom line is, I've been hitting you, the head you, so many you, times. You turned on the gas, and suddenly, then you yeah. became world champion, and and might I say, deserved it. Like you were the top heel and had this buzz and this energy and this vibe that you had never had before. Right. You know, and getting the world championship and is great, but you actually deserve Big Show it. and Kane were in there, and Randy Orton came after about a year and a half later, and it was um, he was the champion, and I beat him in Hell in a Cell, hmm. and that, that was that was like a, a moment in my career where. Um, you know, you, you realize who you appreciate in the business, even if you're not friends. I appreciate Randy. And uh, Randy comes with mixed emotions when you talk to people because Randy is Randy. We always say Randy is Randy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a different bird. But I respect him and I always will for that match that we had at Hell in a Cell. Hmm. It's like my uh, top five. Really, yeah. Yeah, top three. Tr tremendous, tremendous worker. Yeah. If not, if not the best pure worker in the company, he's top two or three. Yeah. For sure, you know. Um, and then the, the, I remember this, and I also remember this amazing promo that he did. It was much more recent, maybe a, a year ago, two years ago, where you were going to retire. The retirement speech. There's another, another one where it's like, this guy is just, it was amazing. You had fooled everyone into thinking you were going to retire, and then yeah. John Cena was out there giving you props and then you slammed them and then you guys started off at an angle on that it was another great performance man I, I i wanted to give my two cents and i i did a little comedy i did some serious and i was like, okay goofy like cut it out you know like it was it was layered and um 
the emotion was was real because I had thought of retirement and am thinking about retirement and I know how it will feel when I go because of how much I love what I do and it's going to come to an end and like man how are you going to feel when, when that day comes right and that's what I put out there yeah so the fans got to see when I when I mentioned my my daughter and I was coming home it was real it was real it was just like I knew that there was some back end of it but uh, that's how it would be. I'll never be able to do another retirement speech now because yeah. everyone's like, I did that already, buddy. And if you don't do it, it's like, oh, that's it? He actually yeah. retiring? He actually retired. Like, was Once again, was that another uh, discussion you had with Vince like about that promo? or were you? I told him I wanted to quit. Oh. I said, man, I think I'm done, man. Like, my body is all beat up. I get hurt every month. Something's, you know, I got this vertebrae i need to have surgery on at some point like i'm I'm thinking like serious stuff he was like mark you got a long way to go and i said listen i got gas in the tank but it's getting harder to come to work every week especially with my kids crying when i leave i put my shoes on they put their shoes on (laughs) they don't want they don't want me to leave so um he was like I want I want you to I want you to stay. I want you to, to work just a little bit longer. You can do it. And Vince can talk paint dry. <laughs> yeah. I, I I wonder if if uh if anybody has ever told him no. Like not if he didn't want them to, you know? I just can't understand how he talked me into I went in there with the intent on brother like, "All right, man, thank you." Yeah. It's been good and going <laughs> home. And I ended up signing another three year contract. <laughs> but that's the classic Vince Jedi mind trick. Golly. You know, and everyone from Taker on down, Taker will tell you, go in there, I'm going to kill it and walk out of there just like, okay, I'll do it, Vince. And then you're like, he got me again as the door closes and then it's Damn too late. It. No, it's like, ah, you got me again. But that, and, and so, so then he turns it into this amazing angle. Right, he turns me into a star. kick-started this uh, uh, incredible, incredible moment. If you guys haven't seen it, you should go on YouTube. I'm sure it's up under probably Mark Henry's retirement speech or something. But, yeah, but you the pink jacket. Was, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> it's not pink. It was salmon. Salmon. Vince will tell you that. But, you know, 19 years of being here and you've done so much stuff. You're, you're one of the guys that you've always had a role in the show. No matter big, small, we know this is all a big wheel. But you mentioned sexual chocolate earlier. And let's talk about that. Because I, when I was coming to WWE from WCW, I was watching the shows and just I made a list because everybody had a character and everybody yeah. was over. It didn't matter who it was, if it was Austin or if it was Funaki and everyone in between. You could have been Goon. Anything. Anything. But but there was a like WWE didn't have that. There was no characters for a lot of the guys and no angle. But you were the sexual chocolate. And and I believed it. And I got into it. <laughs> so what was the concept? I tongue kissed Mae Young. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> I, love, I love her. So yeah, you were sexual chocolate and then you ended up dating Mae Young. Yeah. Well, I went from China to Mae Young. The China stuff with the uh, Sammy the transvestite. Like, it was a different time. It wasn't PG. <laughs> it was the attitude era. That's right. Shoot, uh, Jacqueline and, uh, made a, uh, a chocolate sundae out of me on television. They had me ball gagged and handcuffed. And st- I mean, it was strong, strong stuff. Wow. Oh, my God, man. It was just, it was, the ad- sex with chocolate was, was so much fun. Like, the Valentine's Day uh, me and Mae Young went to a hotel, and I remember they were recording us 
you know, talking in the bed and whispering sweet nothings. And about that time, May, uh, we stopped shooting, and May pulls a cigar out. And she's like, uh, they're not going to get mad if I light this. And I was like, are you really going to light that cigar? And and they said, no, 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 Bruce Pritchard was. He's like, no, do it, hold on, y'all got to do that again. We're going to record it this time. And then they recorded it. And, stuff, and, so, and, and it just kept on going. Like, and she, I had on, like, silk boxers. And she's like she's running her hand under the covers, and I'm like, "Stop, man, stop, quit, quit!" Like, I mean, it was like, man, it was it was like a, me and her together was magic. Mm-hmm. It, we didn't have to, we didn't need a, we didn't need a script, we didn't need a premise. It just turned turned the camera on and let us mess around. And um, Vince is Vince is crazy, man. Like the whole pregnancy thing, like her getting pregnant. Like I mean, it was just like every week he would throw something against the wall and it would stick every time with sexual chocolate. And a lot of people said, you know, that's demeaning. They're trying to run you off and all of this. They weren't trying to run me off. They I signed a ten year multi million dollar contract that it, it had never been done in wrestling before. Like there was a lot of things. Being the first developmental wrestler, being the first guy with a guaranteed contract, being like it, I had a lot of things that was first. So you were the first guy with a guaranteed contract coming oh, out of the Olympics. Yeah. So was that ten what, years? Was that what Vince was talking about? When he said we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to do something we've never done before. Give and, you a ten year contract. And they they did it. They they you know locked me up because I was. After after '96, I was going to go play football, and I worked out for a bunch of teams. The Cowboys didn't want to give me a guarantee. The Oilers didn't want to give me a guarantee, and I was like, "Well, I am not going to get a guarantee. I might as well just go and throw myself in it." And by that time, Vince said, "Okay, we're going to do it." So, so how how was the idea pitched of you and, and May Young dating? Vince laughing. Vince said, okay, hold on a second. Oh, okay, I got it. Now, <laughs> I want you and Mae Young to uh, go out on a date, which never happened. What they started, we, we started with is the Dudleys ended up powerbombing Mae through a table. Right. Which just put the pause in me because I – it's hard to describe. I wouldn't want to take a power bomb off the top through tables. You, I, you've you've done stuff similar to that. I wouldn't want to be doing it. But now, you wouldn't though. want to be doing no. it now, and yeah. you're in for your third, late thirties, early forties, early forties. She was seventy. Wow. Ah, lay it in. That was me. She was like, hit me. May, nobody's going to hit you. Everybody love you. Like, it's not going to happen. Ah, you're going to look like a C word. She talked like a sailor. She did, right? She even had a little sailor tattoo. She had a sailor anchor tattooed on. I mean, she was boss, for real. Yeah. And so I went out there, and I just was like, man, what is wrong with y'all? You know, like, I'm I'm taking her. I'm picking her up. After she's been powerbombed? After she's been powerbombed. And it was so coddling and real, like, that's what we're going to do. And then we started, uh, you know, walking hand in hand. And she would walk me to the ring like a valet. And, I mean, it's just like every week it progressed. Every week. And here we are, 15 years from sexual chocolate. The last of sexual chocolate after the hand was born. 
and till now, every night that I go to the ring, sexual chocolate, sexual chocolate, what's, what's over? What's more over? You know, the, my whole career or what pretty much made me. And I don't care. As long as, you mem- long as I'm remembered, I'm, I'm satisfied. Isn't it amazing how much uh, power being in the Attitude Era has to this day? To this day. Like you mentioned, anybody from that time frame, people Even know if you it. weren't the main event guy, right. they still remember. So I was talking about everyone had a storyline and an angle and a gimmick. People still mm-hmm. remember. Yeah. You know, and it's amazing because that, that period was it's so, you know, it's so looked upon fondly by wrestling fans as the greatest period. But yet there was still a lot of. You stuff that was kind of shady. It was a lot of stuff that was <laughs> yeah. that was memorable and shady, but yeah. I just thought of something that, you know, you came later, a few weeks later, but they started having, like, Eddie and Dean uh, come to – they were showing up in the in, – uh, Yeah, I was here before that. They came after. They oh, you, showed up you in were, the arena. You, you were there before. Yeah, right. yeah. And then they started coming, and they, nobody smartened me up. Nobody oh. said, Mark. Like, we know what's going on. So the day that they, a lot of people don't see it, but I come out of Gorilla, piss, and get tackled because I was coming to the ring to whoop their ass. When they were walking down from the... When they was coming down, I was going to whoop their ass. And they (laughs) had to grab me. They physically grabbed me and was holding me and like, and I started stumbling and I fell down. And they were like, get your ass back here. Like, what, what are you doing? I was like, I'm finna, and they like, no, dummy, like this is, you know, get us arrested, like, and I was like, man, no, I'm so glad that. that I got caught because I would have ruined everything. Oh, yeah, it would, it would have, it has been uh, historical television, or it would have yeah. been. You would have. We're gonna go to commercial. <laughs> yeah. Got it, got it. You would have had Eddie uh, fighting to the death. I'll oh, tell you my that God. <laughs> Did they ever explain to you the reason why May gave birth to a hand? No. Vince was like, and I asked him several times, Vince, it's over with. Why the hand? He's like, it's a hand. And it's hysterical, diabolical, evil laugh every time. <laughs> And if you go up and ask him, he's going to do the same thing. It's a hand. <laughs> so through the years of, of working here, who's been some of your favorite guys to work with? Oh, my gosh. I learned the most and got the most out of working with Taker. Mm-hmm. He does stuff to you and pushes you to a level where you don't realize what he's doing for you. Um, Randy, of course. Um, Ray Mysterio. You worked a lot with Ray. I worked a lot with Ray, and um, that was obviously probably a lot of fun for you working with him because it's like playing with your son. It's like playing with a little kid. Man, it was like I was hyper cautious sometimes too. I just thought I was going to squish him, <laughs> um, but like his psychology and how to bring stuff down so it can go higher is like. Um, pretty much unmatched like he he did stuff all the dips and stuff that he did was just amazing with the all the gimmicks he had with the 619 and uh especially working with the guy your size right because he knew i could i, I was gonna catch him um did you ever work with taker at wrestlemania yeah wrestlemania 22 wow casket match 
and we had like three or four pay-per-views before that and um like it was just like one of the best times of my life as far as like my development and learning process and um oh my god do you remember me and you in europe manchester oh <laughs> and we were going we had we had a good streak going we yeah. had a good streak going and i don't know what the hell i caught well I, I did i said something and anyway go i forgot and i whiffed and you went down rolled out he was like man it's stupid and for all the people that don't realize i have like three triggers and stupid <laughs> is number one the match was over the match was over, and Mark Henry wanted to kill Chris Jericho was a paramount. Get your ass back in the ring. No. <laughs> I said, come back. And it was like, it was your spot. And he turned around. I was just like, oh, my God. It was one of those things where uh, it was a spot that, that you mentioned in the back, and I called it. You didn't hear me. Then you called it. I didn't hear you. And then we tried something and did a Double a double duck, duck. double 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 firm. And you just said then another firm. I was like, the "Hell is, with it!" I said, "This is stupid." <laughs> and you said after you like, "Man, you were so upset." You said, "You called me stupid." I said, "No, I called this stupid. <laughs> this whole thing was stupid." And I was like, "I didn't mean it." I was like, "I'm sorry." I had to like, I had to like kind of stroke your your call. Like, "I'm buddy. You're not stupid. You're smart." You're like, "Don't ever call me stupid, man." And I was like, "I didn't call you stupid. I called this situation stupid." Oh my god! <laughs> but we had good matches. Oh yeah, like you, you said, go we got a good streak going there. Yeah. And Shawn Michaels too. Yeah, like I had a couple of matches with Shawn that I was like, I want to work with him every night. Oh, amazing how good he was, right? It was just so easy. It was so like you didn't expect it to to happen like that, but you could hit him and he it, it, he would roll around for like two minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you put him a hold on him, you 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 couldn't have him. This little water bottle, if this was Sean, if I put a headlock on, on it. Yeah, 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 he would be moving. Instantaneous, the yeah. crowd would just like yeah. erupt, like, oh, don't do it, don't let him yeah. go. Like, the, the, our fans have an affection for him that we'll never understand. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of sucks. <laughs> but not to be able to get that kind of, he just, that's just why he was great. How do you see, I mean, and, and being a guy, and, and we're getting ready to wrap it up soon, but uh, you, you, being a guy that's been here for so long, um, how do you see the company has changed? And as far as you mentioned, Sean being such an amazing worker and taker, as far as the newer guys coming up into the system and, and all that sort of thing, is there a big difference from when you came till now? Oh, it's a, it's a, a humongous difference. I mean, it's a, the difference now and I can't put a number on it, but I would say that all the guys that come in now, they're I can't they're not manufactured, they're not replicas, they're not copies, but they've got to see the cream of the crop and they know what to do and what not to do. When I came in, guys would come from a different territory and some guys did the same stick. And they would say, no, you can't do that. He's here first, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and you had to adjust. They don't have to adjust. Oh. They don't have to make adjustments. They get here and they know this is what you're going to do and this is what these guys are. Hands down, the advantage is for the guys that that are already here and, and doing their thing. You are brought in. Like, it's not like 
you know, when you come from Calgary mm-hmm. or you come from WCW, and everybody know who Chris Jericho was at WCW, but when you came here, like you had to, you were behind the eight ball until somebody brought you in. Yeah, you had to readjust and you had to readjust. Everything, right, yeah. and and so all these guys get that. They they get okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do the best I can do, but I'm gonna wait my turn. And um, they're not bringing in stiffs mm-hmm. like uh, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins are like throwbacks to guys like Sean and. Brett and you and um, Triple H and guys that act what I call a thoroughbred role, guys that can work against the big guys and work 25, 30 minutes. And, you know, that was never my stick. No big guy was ever that guy right, other right, than right. Taker. Mm-hmm. That's one reason why Taker is so great is he was able to, he was able to be a thoroughbred guy, being a big guy, mm-hmm. and could work Rey Mysterio. Right. And still do everything like it's just it, it don't happen. And all of these guys that are coming up now, they don't have the cutthroat part of the business. When I came in, guys would sandbag you. Guys wanted you to fail because they didn't want you to take their spot. And now it's like you all you got to do is come in and produce and wait your turn and you'll be good. Half of these guys would got in a fight, would have got a bottle split over their head, or uh, jumped, uh, ribbed until he was just like, you know what, I don't like this. Sh- I'm going somewhere else, and would have rather went somewhere else than to be here and be belittled. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the advantage that these guys have over the guys that are already here, is they know that they're going to get their shot, and all they got to do is stay out of trouble in the process. Mm-hmm. Right. And and just do what you're told, and you're you're good. You don't have to worry about the political machinations no, yeah, as much no, as you used to, you know. The the whole political thing is like because that was shot. a real thing. It you was could real. get run out of town here just if you pissed off the wrong person. Right, the wrong guy would be like, "Listen, I don't I don't want to be here if he's here." Mm-hmm. Like, really? You gonna? You, I don't want to be here if he's here. It was a, it was kind of like an unwritten get the, get rid of him yeah him or me him or me deal but that's the way it was back then. A couple more questions: Is it going to be hard for you when you finally do uh, retire after working here for nineteen years? It's going to be hard in the sense that I'm miss the locker room. Um, I'm not going to miss the anxiety of <laughs> TV and uh, waiting around all day for it to happen and. Uh, uh, traveling in cars and I have ant bite symptoms down my leg from a raggedy vertebrae in my back. You know, like, I yeah. mean, it's sitting on planes and uh, I'm a big guy. I don't fit in the toilets on the planes well. So when I go to Australia, I can't eat. Wow. I could barely drink because I don't fit in the bathrooms. I never thought about that. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's. I hate that. I hate being on a 10-hour flight and not being able to drink a, a Coke or uh, have a couple of glasses of water. I don't drink alcohol, but if, if I did, I would be or, or coffee, then I'd be in the bathroom every 30 minutes. But I wouldn't fit, so I'd have to sit in the galley and pee in a cup, have which I've had, done before. If you had an emergencies like that? Yeah, I just had to pee in the galley. Like, can you know, I have plastic bags and stuff for emergency situations. Like, I mean, it's crazy, man. It's, 
Never thought about that because the airport airplane bathrooms, it's hard for me to even fit in there. Man, that's true. Size. Yeah, yeah. So um, last question, man. If you had to pick your favorite match, could you, could you do it? Which one would you choose? Man, my favorite match. Or a couple of them. I, I would have to say Hell in a Cell, WrestleMania 22. Um, me and Randy at Hell in a Cell. Man, I, Hell in a Cell is... Is <laughs> I'm, I like having the same match, and me and Big Show, man, me and Big Show uh, in San Antonio, um, where we broke the ring down. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's probably about five more that that's coming to me right now, and you know, I had a match with um, with Goldberg that when Goldberg came here, he hadn't had a match over four minutes, and. You know, like we went like 10 minutes, and it was good. And I came in the back, and it was like a, a winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> like all the agents and refs and everybody was like, man, that was great, man. They were so happy. Clapping for you. And he came up, and he felt, like, accomplished. Like, I did it. I did it. And, you know, like, it was just a, it was a wonderful feeling to be able to come through the um, – come in the back and and get the adulation of the people that um are at the pulse of what's going on and and they're surprised mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so it was well mark 19 years of being here like i said that is damn impressive and uh we got to go out there and put on another show so let's gotta not, go get it man time to make the donuts, time to make donuts let's not uh, split our wigs <laughs> let's, let's hope nobody gets their wigs split tonight <laughs> Somebody's going to get their ass kicked. Somebody's going to get their wig spit. Thankfully, I didn't get my wig spit or my wig split by Mark Henry. And thanks to him for being with me here today. 19 years with the WWE. And what a legitimately nice guy. You can tell just by uh, listening to him talk. An amazing run, amazing career. And he's not quite done yet. You heard him say it. He's thinking about retirement. Uh, he's put his body through a lot and suffers through the pain every day. I know that feeling. I've had retirement thoughts in the past, but one thing stopped me. You know what I'm going to say? DDP yoga. I'm not thinking about retirement anymore. I'm in the best shape of my life. Wrestling better than ever. Working main events. Uh, this weekend and in many other times, thanks to DDP Yoga, I'm in the best shape, never felt better, and it's keeping me at the top of my game in the ring, on stage with Fozzie, everything I do in my life. If you're looking for a fitness program that you'll be able to stick with and get results, then you need to try DDP Yoga. DDP designed DDP Yoga to work for anyone and everyone, no matter what your age or fitness level is. It's a great option if you're trying to get in shape and start living a healthier life. Also a great option if you're already living healthy and looking for a way to maintain. DDP Yoga makes it all easy. DDP's got you covered. Especially if you get the max pack, you get all the workouts on DVD. You get a grid chart to track your progress. You get a poster to help you remember the 12 core positions of DDP Yoga. You get recipes so you can get on a healthy eating plan. You get all the workouts on MP3 so you can exercise on the go. Do DDP Yoga wherever you are, whenever you are. That's what I do. I do it in the hotel room. I do it in the dress rooms. I might even do it on the street corner here in Sherman Oaks as I uh, watch people running down the street. They're running. They're jogging. They should be doing DDP Yoga. Why not? Put a towel down on the grass and get started. You make the program your own you do it your own way no running or lifting with ddp yoga easy on your joints but don't kid yourself you get a heck of a cardio workout as well using ddp yoga you'll also build strength and flexibility you go to ddpyoga.com slash jericho take advantage of a special offer only available to you guys that's ddpyoga.com slash jericho this offer not going to last forever you go to ddpyoga.com slash jericho now take advantage of it get in the best shape of your life ddp will help you get there and i want to see you do it this works i'm telling you try it now 
if you're sitting on the fence, go do it. Go do it. Go do it. And also, if you're sitting on the fence about coming to see Y2J on the WWE Summer Tour, it's wrapping up fairly soon. It's still not over, but I'll be in San Diego tonight, July 31st. August 1st, Ontario. August 2nd, Fresno. August 15th, Detroit. August 21st, Bridgeport. 29th, San Juan, Puerto Rico. August 30th, Tallahassee. That is the uh, end of the road for the summer tour. Good news is the fall tour starts a couple weeks after that in Canada. All those dates were announced on Wednesday. Just go online and found them. I'll be plugging them over the next few months. You know that. August 8th, coming up next week, Festival of Friends in Ontario. August 9th, Heavy Montreal in Montreal with Fozzie. October 30th, heading to Jamaica with Kiss. Oh! Oh, yeah, people! Then November 14th, we return to Germany, go all the way through Europe, then uh, all the way through England, UK. Fozzyrock.com has all the cities and venues and VIP ticket information with Nonpoint Sumo Psycho. It's going to be the tour of the winter. Come see us. You are going to love it. And uh, continue to listen to the show. I appreciate supporting me. Thanks to you guys who download this show for free for twice a week. We're able to do it thanks to the great Talk is Jericho sponsors, Uber, Recovery Max, DollarShaveClub.com, DDP Yoga, and of course Amazon. It's the easiest way to support this show. You can use my links when you do it. Go buy Magnus's uh, new book, The Superstar Body. Nick Aldis was on the show a few weeks ago, did a great job. Find out what Nick does to stay healthy, stay in shape. Check out Randy Bly's new book, Dark Days. He spent 37 days in a Czech prison, and he's an amazing, amazing guest on my show, and his book is great. So is Corey Taylor's book, You're Making Me Hate You, a cantankerous look at the common misconception that humans have any common sense left. Go buy the Saved by the Bell DVDs featuring Dennis Haskins. Uh, it was on the last episode, too. Another great guy. You know what you need to do. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Supporter Show Sponsors banner at the top of the page. Anytime you buy something on Amazon, I got links for the USA, the UK, the Canada Day. Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for free for, free for place a week. No extra fees or hidden challenges. You're just getting your shopping done. Help me on the process. I appreciate your love and affection. I can't live without your love and affection. That's saying about three keys lower than the way Nelson sang it. I should get Nelson on here. I, should, I totally should. Uh, but for right now, next week here on the show, next Wednesday on Talk is Jericho, I am going to have brand new day. Brand new day. Or is it new? Day sucks. New. Day sucks. We're going to figure all that out. They're going to be here on Wednesday. Big E. He's so big, he's got an E for a name. We got Xavier Woods and, of course, Kofi Kingston will all be here on Wednesday. New Day is going to be here. It's a new week and a new episode of Talk is Jericho. Until then, stay hard, stay cool, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah, boy. Yeah. Yeah, boy, somebody's gonna get there, yeah, boy. 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 Yeah, boy, 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 yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. 